To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Man, I got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you, and today's a good one. Uh, I have on my buddy Daniel Martin. Uh, so Daniel, he, he's extremely successful on public land just through his hard work, uh, knowledge he's gained, and, and, and hunting instincts. And one of the things that he's really good at hunting is spring black bears. So we're just coming into the start of the season. It's just starting to get good. And I have him on the podcast, and we talk over everything we know about hunting spring bears. Uh, so Daniel, he's harvested some great bears. Uh, he sees a ton of them throughout the season. And so we try to dissect spring bear and what makes us successful in the bear woods. Uh, made for a great conversation. I've been thinking about putting this one together for quite a while. Dan's been on the podcast before and he did really well on it. And so I had this idea in mind to get him on here for bear season as, as he's killed some absolute slammer of bears and really knows them inside and out. So uh, made for a really fun podcast. I enjoyed it. I think you guys will enjoy it too. I want to thank today's sponsors. I want to thank Onyx. Onyx has changed the way that I scout and hunt. I absolutely love this app. Uh, you know, to be able to look at at aerial imagery or to be able to look at topography or a hybrid of both, uh, to be able to make an entire hunt plan, you know, on my computer, which also translates to my phone and have that on a hunt is so valuable. And, and then also so much of the hunt is about adapting and adapting to the situations which you're given and so sometimes you don't find animals in a location or you do find animals in a location and it's so easy to adapt your hunt plan right there because you have all the information with you and you just have to to catch or save your maps before you go and and so even if you don't have cell phone coverage you have your map on there and your gps works I've totally gone away from a GPS. I just use my phone, which I guess is my GPS. Uh, but it, it's just an amazing app that changed the way I scout and hunt. And right now, as I'm starting to make my hunt plans, I'm spending hours and hours and hours on their app. Uh, but I just absolutely love it. They're constantly innovating their app and, and coming up with with um, new ideas. And, and like I can, I can send, if I'm meeting my buddy in the middle of the wilderness, um, you know, I, I can send him waypoints to come find me. And, and this works really good if you get an elk down and maybe you and your buddy are separated. You can just send him a text that has that waypoint on it, and then he can walk to that waypoint. I remember, like, uh, we'll get through this and get into the podcast, but I remember meeting Dan in the, the middle of this mountain range in Montana, and he could come two or three days later than me. And I remember he had a hand-sketched map that I made him that showed that he had to go around the lake this way and around the lake the other way. I mean, thank goodness Dan has good wood sense and found me back in there. I set my tent in a good spot where he could glass me up with his binos. But it, it would have been real easy for us to... Uh, uh, you know, to to not connect on that hunt or him not find me and us just be in there a week by ourselves. But now with this app, you can just send him a waypoint and meet right in that spot. So 
absolutely great app. Uh, if you're not a member, you need to be. You can get all 50 states in there. So any place you're hunting, you can have the maps and boundaries of it. And it just gives you such confidence to enjoy your hunt, too, knowing the borders between private and public on some of these hunts. So awesome app. Thanks to Onyx for their support. I want to thank my other sponsor for today's show, uh, Savage Arms. So Savage Arms is a new sponsor to Eastman's Elevated, but they're not new to the Eastman's crew. They've been using them for nearly a dozen years. And and Savage has a reputation for being the best out-of-the-box accuracy. And uh, so these guns absolutely shoot. I can't wait to get one in my hands. Uh, their new rifle this past year they came out with was the Impulse, which looks like a great rifle. The one that the guys really like is the 110 Ultralight. Like, you talk about a mountain rifle. This thing comes in at under 6 pounds. Um, and, and then just these new age rifles. Like, back when I used to rifle hunt, you know, I used to have to have my trigger adjusted. Well, these rifles have an adjustable trigger that you can do yourself. You can set it from 1.5 pounds to 4 pounds, uh, you know, with with, um, uh, with an easy switch on that. So... Basically, a lighter trigger pull will make you more accurate. So those really good shooters, uh, they like a light trigger pull around two pounds or so. And so it's easy to get with this rifle without taking it to a gunsmith. Also, um, it comes with a, a synthetic stock, so you don't have to worry about warping or wood or getting wet or anything like that. Um, but this stock is also adjustable, which is just wild. So you can adjust this stock to the length of pole. You can adjust the um, the height on it for your cheek. And, and so you can really make it fit, uh, you know, your face uh, to be as accurate as you can be. So just absolutely awesome. I'm having one built now that I'm really excited to get my hands and start shooting. But uh, these are just awesome rifles, guys. So make sure to check out Savage Arms, and we're happy to have them as a sponsor here on the podcast. With that, make sure you check out everything we have going on at Eastman's. Uh, that Eastman's Tag Hub is a great resource for studying up on tags for this season. Uh, I know we're all patiently awaiting draws. I blanked in a few states, but... I've got some tags and I'll be hunting the mountains. I'm not too worried about it. So hopefully there's some other drawings to come out. And maybe I can just draw, you know, one of these good premium tags or add another hunt to my lineup this year. So super excited to see those coming out. And um, yeah, with that, uh, gosh, we've got some great films that'll be coming out this year. I'm super excited about. Uh, so be on the lookout at those for Beyond the Grid. You can just search uh, Eastman's Hunting TV on YouTube and find some videos there. And, um, man, with that, I'm ready to get started here bear hunting. Uh, we talked on the podcast with Dan. Um, yeah, I went into a vantage point the other day, but the, the grass has just been a little bit behind in my neck of the woods. Uh, I tend to be at higher elevations where it takes a while to turn on. And so over the years, I've, I've kind of learned to, um, you know, go a little bit early and heat check some spots, but really put my effort in as the grass starts to, to come up and go. And so there's starting to be a green tent in these mountains, and I just can't stand it any longer. I'm going to get my work done, get this podcast out to you guys, and then uh, I'm going to go bear hunting this afternoon, evening, and um, boy, I'm going to start the process. I mean, I really think they're one of the toughest animals in the lower 48 with a bow spot and stock. Uh, they're some of my most prized trophies, and so um, yeah, I just can't wait to start the process and start getting after these things and, and looking for a big old pumpkin-headed boar, so I'm super excited. Hopefully, you guys will be getting out this spring. Hopefully, you guys enjoy this spring bear podcast, 
And um, man, with that, let's get into this thing. So Daniel Martin, my buddy, uh, I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Hey, Dan, that's Brian. How's it going? Good. Hey, buddy. What do you know? Oh, uh, I know that the sun is out and it was a beautiful night to go for a run. <laughs> oh, good for you. You got uh, yours in, I know huh? that life is busy and you got to, yeah, I know that life is busy and you got to enjoy those moments when you get them. Man, that's the truth. It's so enjoyable when the sun comes out. It's miserable when it's snowing <laughs> sideways in that north wind that we've had about the last two weeks. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I think everybody gets a little bit under the weather when it's rainy or cloudy and cold and stormy, and everybody just wants it to warm up so we can get back outside to doing the things we love and enjoy, right? Man, and that's that fresh it. air. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, uh, been out looking for those bears yet? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know me, Echoes. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of an addiction, right? Like I told you, I think the last time we chatted in our deep conversation that that I don't usually get too excited about bear bear hunting until mid-May. But you know, this year I just was like, man, I got to get out. I got to get out no matter what, even though I know the chances of finding and killing a bear this early are are definitely lower than later in the season. But, yeah, no, I definitely got out last weekend and had a blast stretching the legs and the lungs and the glass. And, yeah, definitely, man. How about you? Were you able to get out yet at all? Uh, It's fun to be out. Yeah, I got out uh, this afternoon for a short session and uh, hiked up to a new vantage point, just kind of checking out new country more so than anything else, like scouting these vantage points and how I'm going to hunt it. So. The grass wasn't quite yeah. right in there, but it's pretty close to tell you the truth. I think like maybe by next weekend, you know, might be able to spot yeah. one in there. No, that's exactly what I found in uh, in the area that I went to, and and I, you know, it's so early. I I knew exactly what I was going to expect, with the exception of not knowing what the snow level was going to be like. You know, I knew it was going to be too early for the grass to be really popping up. We just haven't had those, you know, that one really consistent long week of warm weather and, and whatnot and a lot of sunshine for that grouse to sprout up. But, you know, you can always catch bears coming out of their dens and that higher stuff too. So, yeah, it was a good weekend. So, God, that's yeah, right. same thing though. It was like, yeah, this is like, let's find some good, went and checked out some new country, checked out some old ground and, and pushed myself to, to go into some new country that I haven't explored in the past and found some really neat ground that, that I'm definitely excited to get back into. And, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I'm just curious. It's like, like in a couple of weeks when more people start getting out, when the grass starts greening up, it's, is it going to be pressured? Is it not going to be pressured? But, you know, it's all good. It's all fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's like uh, the the public land hunting game, you know. You're so good at deer and elk, but uh, yeah. maybe the, my audience doesn't know, but you're a heck of a bear hunter. Um, you've killed some great <laughs> ones, and you see a bunch throughout the season. And so, uh, yeah, just exactly why I wanted to get you back on the podcast. But, yeah, that, that early season, yeah. you, you tend yeah. to be – like you, you can almost be um, 
you know, it's better to save your time until they're late. Like, like that's the one best advice I could give. But when you love to bear hunt, you just kind of get out early. And like you said, that early season, you can catch them coming outside their den and wandering around. And, and we get to be grass experts yeah. in the spring when you're a bear hunter, kind of analyzing where the grass is at yeah. and where it's growing. And so it's definitely <laughs> like it seems like it's lower elevations earlier in the season and they follow that green wave up. Um, so, you know, I know where I was looking today was like around, it was just over 6,000 feet where I think right now, like that five to six or five to 6,500, like the date right now is, um, the 21st of April. So going to be pretty low, pretty spotty, but like when you have an addiction, you got to get out. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, just getting out there and spending time in the woods, that's what's really important, you know, this time of year. is One of the things I think a lot of guys and gals get frustrated is that they'll go out with the excitement that we all have the, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, and they may get frustrated just because they're not seeing a lot of bears during that time. And a big part of that is exactly what we just talked about. Like, the bears are going to be at different elevations where we may not normally see them later in the season they're going to be even on some of the private ground um early or they may just be super high and way up in the snow line and in their dens and not really moving around much still too I mean, really just kind of elevation that you're hunting and you know the snow levels where you're at so yeah a lot of people i think get washed out kind of early um and that's why i try to say i don't get super excited about bear hunting until mid-may but i mean let's face it it's it was April 15th and we're all jumping to get out there, you know, and go find some bears. So, you know, yeah, like I saw some great new country this weekend. Um, I didn't see any bears this weekend, but I did find a spot where I'm pretty confident there was a bear den. Um, there was kind of this, oh, I would say the ridge ran east and west and it had a south facing slope and a north facing slope and from where i was at i couldn't see the south facing slope but i'm sure it was burned off i know it was burned off because i could see some of the other slopes of that same feature that were burned off but the north facing slope was covered in bear tracks in the snow and i watched that like a hawk just hoping that maybe that bear would pop over the ridge and come play in the snow a little bit he never did she never did whatever it was but there's clearly a bear that's been hanging out in that area. And there was some, ro- you know, there was a lot of rocks in that feature. So I'm sure there was a, a, a den very close by. Uh, but that's just one of those cases where, yeah, there's no green grass. Like very, very, very little green grass in a couple of the bottoms of the draws. But we're talking like maybe an inch tall. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's not enough to get the bears moving. No, so, just not Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, good for you getting out. It's like a good time to scout too. And like you say, when you when you love to hunt, you just get out. And I've always it's been one of my dreams to kill a snow bear. And so a snow bear is one of those ones yeah. that you're talking about that lives way up high, <laughs> that's living around his den. That you kill him, and then when you yeah. when you take your harvest photo, there's three or four feet of snow around you. You know, all deep drift. So right. I've looked for it before. I yeah. I have more luck in the the rocky features and and actually like burned out. Yeah. You know burned off south facers is where i tend to find them early and then real rough rugged country but if you locate a bear early he'll usually stay in that area for a week or two so you know even if he puts away and you don't get a stock on him like you could return the next day or the next couple days and still find that same bear because he 
it seems like he's just getting outside his den, wandering around, and you know, half the time there's not much grass to eat, like right now, but I'll still just see him browse around and walk around. Like half the time I think they're eating rocks and sticks, but they just kind of getting outside their den and waking up and getting that um, you know, getting a little bit of green grass that is out there, you know. So the, those would definitely be like the early season tactics. But uh, I definitely like it as it gets to, to May and into that later season. I know you do too when those things get on the grass. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's ultimately my favorite time of the year to hunt them. I think something that, you know, a lot of people don't understand with bears is that Coming out of hibernation is not like just waking up from a nap and all of a sudden you're awake and, you know, you're you're out of hibernation. For bears, it's pretty subtle and it can be pretty slow. And it can be really dependent upon the weather and the elevation where they're, where they're denning up. Um, I know of about, oh gosh, I don't know, probably four or five really good den sites that I know that bears use every year. Oh, wow. And generally speaking, I can't even get into those spots um, until probably mid-May um, just because of the snow levels and 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 I know for a fact that and I know this because I've actually tracked bears out of those dens that you're right they'll stick around that den um, and you know they'll come out even in the middle of winter um, on some occasions and stretch their legs and look around and then crawl back into the den um, but as the spring weather comes and the snow starts melting and they start waking up, you know, they definitely come out of their den and, and they'll wander around a little bit and they don't go far. And that can last anywhere from a week to a couple of weeks. And it really depends on the snow level. But as soon as that, that, you know, some of that ground starts to burn off close to their den and they'll usually pick a site where that's pretty prevalent, where, you know, it'll start to burn off on an adjacent hillside or something fairly close to that den then they'll start to wander a little bit more. And then what I've seen is you're absolutely right. Like they'll drop off that ridge or that feature and they'll head straight, you know, they'll drop a couple of thousand feet easily, maybe even a couple of miles and get down into that lowland to fight, start finding the grass. And as soon as this grass starts greening up and following the snow line, then it's like, they're just right back up there. I'm on there. That's going to keep them down there. But generally speaking, the bears like to stay high and, for me, in where I hunt, it seems like mid-May is when generally the the snow line has hit their den levels, right? And so it seems like that's a lot of times they'll be away from the den long before I get up there. But by the time I get up there, unless I'm snowshoeing in, which is not my favorite thing to do in the world, I hate snowshoes. Um, it's, they're they're yeah yeah exactly. They're just not they're just not at those den sites anymore by the middle of May. But they're probably not that far away. Um, I've still seen bears coming and going from their dens. You know, probably gosh, even into late part of May. In fact, a couple of years ago, a buddy and I. Uh, went after a bear and he ended up shooting the bear and, and it went right straight back to its den after he shot it. Uh, and we ended up chasing it out of the, <laughs> out of the den and we just never got another shot. Uh, and the, the bear wasn't fatally wounded, fortunately, but yeah, you know, it's just one of those things where I think just understanding how they move and travel away from the dens. And so I think that can definitely help folks, but it's tough. It's tough to find those den sites this early because Generally speaking, they're going to be pretty high up. And that, that one that I found this weekend, like I said, I didn't see the den, but I, I know for a fact that there was one relatively close by because 
there was, I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many bear attacks were on that north slope, and it was in a burned out area. So they're there. They're, you know, it's pretty high. That was probably, oh gosh, maybe a quarter of a mile above the snow line. Oh, wow. Um, you know, in that particular area. So I'm sure that bear was around close by. He might have followed, come down the ridges and was hitting the grass years, but I didn't even, I didn't see any sign of that. Like there would have been snow fields you would have had to cross to get to some of those areas. So I, I think he was probably just south facing floaty or just hanging out in his den still. So I did talk to one hunter this weekend that did see a bear. Um, and same thing, it was way up high, way, way high. Um, in fact, that bear that they went after um, was probably a good mile above the snow line. And one of those, like you were talking about, just deep, knee-deep <laughs> snow areas. And I guarantee that bear wasn't far from its den. I mean, that's just, that's how I had to bend. And I never did hear whether they got that bear. I never heard any shots. They weren't, they weren't camped too far from where I was at. And I never did see the hunters again other than that first night. But they're out. So, I mean, guys can definitely get into them this time of year. It's just, it's just a little more difficult. Yeah, it just seems like once they start to follow that green wave or get on that green grass, like it's a it's yeah. a really good time to put effort in at the right elevation. Because if you put the effort in when they're out, you tend to see them. And I I think I got this theory. I think yeah. you told me the theory that you think the bigger bears, because you're looking for an exceptional bear, like that chocolate you killed a couple years ago, and some yeah. of the bears you pass up, I would be happy to shoot. But you're you're looking for an exceptional bear, and I think you told me one time that um, you think that those bears den higher and are the the last ones to come out. And I think I heard that theory yeah. from a guy in Idaho as well that baited a bunch of bears. He had that same theory about yeah. those big ones coming out late. Is did I hear that from you? Did I hear that right, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that last time, and and just in my experience in the umpteen years of bear hunting, it seems like consistently that the bigger bears den way higher, um, and yeah, they just, they love to hang out up in that high snow because there's no pressure, and there's really no no reason for them to come out, and generally speaking, the bigger the bear, they're going to have a lot more fat reserves anyway that's going to make, you know, it's going to help them last longer through the winter. Um, I mean, anybody that's killed a bear, you know that they're just, especially especially those fall bears, like they are plumped up. And it's nothing for a bear to put on several hundred pounds over the course of the summer and going into the fall of fat reserves. And the bigger the bear, the more fat reserves they're going to have. And so it definitely, I think, carries them through the, through the year long. And they also don't get pressured when they're that high, you know. Um you know, you look at grizzlies too, and grizzlies are the same way. Like they just they den super high. They don't not any pressure, but they'll travel miles and miles and miles once they decide to come out of that den to get down into where the feeding areas are. You know, I mean, there's there's times where I've tracked bears out of literally waist deep snow areas, and I'm I'm not a short guy, so waist deep is pretty darn deep. <laughs> um, and you're just like, holy cow, what are these bears doing this high still? You know, and I can't put a number on it because I think every mountain range is different. But I have definitely seen bears, big bears, denning up in that nine, ten thousand feet pretty consistently. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, and, and you got to remember the time of year that they are denning is, you know, usually fall hunting season. So they're right. usually going to want to den yep. in remote locations and remote locations in the yeah, fall are the same correct. thing in the spring, you know, way up high where guys can't get in that deep snow. So that that totally makes sense to me. Um, but you're right. Once they get on that food source, you know, they'll travel miles. And, and it seems like these bears like. You know, you bring up a point about pressure in these bears. Bears love to be secluded. They hate human pressure. They don't want to be in the middle of a wide open meadow. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you catch them in a real lush meadow, but usually it's like a pocket park, like a pocket meadow, you know, surrounded by trees with good escape routes. Like these bears want to be really secluded. And so... I think it's almost like more important to look for the country that the bears really like than looking for the bears themselves. Yep. Like finding that country that that fits this criteria of these, you know, small lush meadows. And and usually when you sit down on a master vantage point, the greenest, luscious neon grass you can see, usually that's where the bear pops out. Like they just um you know, yeah. they can smell seven times what a bloodhound is, and they just have a knack for finding that real green, lush feed. And so, like, um, you know, they definitely want to be secluded. It's like um, it, it's in those bears' DNA, it seems like, and it doesn't matter which mountain range you're yeah. in. They just want to be in a secluded little spot, spot, which doesn't always lend itself to a big master vantage point. Like, I love a big master vantage where right. I can see the giant drainage and all these bear features, but, but the reality is, is like – Sometimes you got to hike up a drainage, and you're only looking at a few meadows up the drainage. But that's the country that the bears like. It yeah. seems like. Do you do you find exactly. that in your bear hunting, like looking for those things as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think you I think you hit the nail. And a big part of that too. And what's what's great about getting out in the early season, like right now, is putting those boots to the ground and learning the area, learning where those glassing advantage points are, you know, like you can get on your Onyx, you can get on Google Earth, whatever you use to do your e-scouting, um, you know, go hunt, whatever it is. And you can look at it on a map and you can pick out meadows and, and areas where bears might frequent, right? But still ground. And you might have a vantage point picked out on your Onyx map and be like, yep, there's a ridge here. You know, it looks like there's some you know, either some rock features or some, um, or a bare hill that I can get on and glass into a feature. But until you get out there and look, you don't know what you're going to see. And you may not be able to see the features that you want. And you may actually have to hike around until you figure out, like, okay, where can I see this meadow from, right? And a big part of that early season for me is figuring that out, like figuring out those features, learning that area a little bit better. And truthfully, chances are you're not really going to disturb a whole lot in the early season like this, right? Like we're not going to be bumping a lot of bears out of the area if we're hiking around and, and kind of glass and then maybe not paying attention to the wind as much as we should be. Whereas later in the season, if you've already scouted that area, scouted that drainage, whatever the case may be, then you've got a good idea of where where might those bears find those little places of solitude. Because you're absolutely right. Bears, bears are creatures of darkness they like seclusion. They like timber. You know, I see a lot. I hear a lot of people talk about, well, that, you know, that ridge or that canyon burned a couple of years ago, and it's going to be awesome for bears. Yes and no. It may and it may not be. Bears like cover, and if all the cover burned, bears aren't going to be there. Like that's just the matter. You know, you hear a lot of people talking about burns and how awesome they're going to be for bear hunting. Generally speaking, 
burn's probably not going to be great for bear hunting. The edge of the burn might be great where they still have cover, where they can still seek that solace and seek the darkness of the timber. Generally speaking, like you said earlier, you're not going to find them out in the middle of one of those giant, giant open meadows. They feel comfortable unless they feel safe, not pressured or anything like that. Um, you know that we talked about the green, green grass, right? The chartreuse green grass and, and how much the bears love that. And you're absolutely right. Um, but I've also found areas where I've found that grass. I've found those features and, you know, I'll watch it for a week, two weeks and there's no bears. And I'm like, what's going on? Why is there no bears here? And I walk down, get a little closer, walk, walk through there. There's no bear sign. And it's like, why are there not bears here? There's a reason. Sometimes I haven't figured it out. Sometimes I'm like, well, maybe there's just, maybe it's human pressure. Maybe there's too many people. Maybe, you know, there's just something else going on. So I study it and put it all together. But ultimately, I think, you know, what's going to make you successful is, is just keep moving and keep trying and keep looking. And and then obviously, I think we talked about it last time, keeping a journal of, of where you're finding bears, when you're finding bears, and making a note of, you know, the features that you find them on, you know, including is it a south facing slope? Is it a bottom of a canyon? Is it a north facing slope? What's what are they what do they seem to be doing there? Are they moving there? Are they feeding there? Or are they just wandering through? <laughs> you know? We've all found those wandering bears. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Uh that's such great insight, Dan. Like everything you stated right there is is two a T bears. And I know what you're saying about that burn that we've had a couple burns around in this area that I thought would go unreal that went real neon green grass. And um, the bears just weren't there. They're kind of, you know, I've caught a couple on the edges or like one in like a, a real pocket burn that's surrounded by timber. But, yeah, they just don't want to be in that open space. So um, that's a great point, the the keeping the journal, like um, and learning the spot. Like oh, when you were speaking to me, when you talked about like it's one thing to look at Onyx and think you can see those features. It's another thing when you get in there. And I found yeah. that today. I got into right. this spot that I thought was going to be the really good vantage point, and I could see a lot of the opposing ridge that I wanted to, but the stuff that looked like real bear country that was right at the snow line was up and around the corner. And so, you know, I had to go up the ridge another half a mile, yeah. and then I found a rock outcropping, and it's like, oh, now this is the spot. Now I can see around the corner what I want yeah. to see, but it takes, like, getting in there and exploring it. And the, the best yeah. bear spots – it's it's usually not your first time in there, you know. It takes like going into these spots and learning it. And I know, you know, some uh, the bears just aren't everywhere. There's less of a population than ungulates, so it's really easy to strike out. And that's why get, guys get frustrated. Is you can walk into a good spot and not see a bear. Some of my best spots, you know, I could get blanked in there two nights in a row, but I know it's a good spot because I've seen bears there. Where I'll show up a third night and all of a sudden I'll see one out. You know, it's um. So, so it is finding that good country. It, it's it's looking at it, and then it's like, um, you know, after years of experience, you get this network of, of good drainages and good locations that you like. But it's not getting stuck in a rut and just being in that spot. Like you right. also, you have to explore and get new spots, and you also have to adapt your hunting to that season. Like every season is different. This season is different than last season, different than the season before. And, yeah. you know, some years they're, they're harder in some drainages and, and less in others just because of snow melt and conditions and uh, elevation that they're yeah. at. But you're right. If you keep a journal, 
bears like the same locations, like the same meadow. I can tell you if I see one bear there, I've probably seen 20 bears there because they just like that meadow or that spot or like moving through country that way. And so it's a bear meadow, but then there can be a meadow right next to it that they never walk through. You know, it's so weird, but they, they just build these behaviors and habits, you know, and, and it is watching them, but that, that making a journal, you're so spot on because in the spring, you know, for me, it's all about elevation. And, and you stated it earlier, like every mountain range is different. And so my elevation where I'm seeing bears might not be the same elevation that you're seeing bears in your mountain range. And, and the same with, um, you know, uh, like hillsides that face, you know, in my country, I find a lot on North facing slopes, but as I go to Western Montana and there's more cover, you seem to find them on the South facing slopes. And so trying to build a rhyme and a reason of where you're seeing these things, and then you can find more bears from that Intel or information. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, we've always, bears are very habitual. Uh, You know, generally speaking, they'll, they'll stay in the same den location until they, and then they'll move on to a different den location. And, they won't usually stay far. They're very migratory. Um, if you identify those feeding areas and those travel corridors, and by identifying, what I'm talking about is if spending time in the woods, seeing the bears, looking for the bears, finding the bears, and then identifying what they're doing there. Like if you find a bear that's in a meadow and he's just tearing it up and eating it up and, you know, obviously he's feeding there, it's a feeding area, Right. If you see him three nights in a row in the same feature, you know, maybe he's in a meadow, you know, but it's not too far away, or maybe he's just over in the next draw. Chances are, like, that's his his area. That's his range, right? Um, if you never see that bear again in that area, chances are he's passing through for whatever reason, he or she, right? Um, it feels like, to me, what I've noticed is that they're very, I don't know, patternable is the right word, but they are to some extent. But they are definitely very migratory in their movements, and their movements are driven by food and or mating, right? (laughs) And so towards the end of the season, you're going to see the bears, especially the boars, move out of the areas, going after the sows, um, and their range can be enormous. Um, You know, they can cover 10, 12 miles easily in a day looking for a hot sow. Um, But generally speaking, the sows, their range isn't going to be near that. They'll stay close to that den site, generally speaking, as long as there's a food source nearby. And they won't really migrate out of that area too far. I mean, they'll, depending on whether they're pushed by hunting pressure or other predation, other grizzly bears, other bears trying, you know, a spore coming in to try to kill the cubs or something like that. Generally speaking, they're not going to move that far. And you're absolutely right. Once you find a bear on a feature, Make a note of that and try to identify what what is that bear doing? It's like, did I just spot that bear walking through that meadow, walking across that ridge line, going through that hogback, crossing the creek, whatever the case may be? Like, why was he there? And really dissecting the um, circumstances around it, the time of day is going to dictate that to some extent. Um, you know, the, the weather, cloudy, rainy days, favorite days to hunt bear. Of, of every day of the year, you know, I love it when it's those drizzly, cloudy, foggy days, like those are primo bear hunting days to me. Um, sure, it's great when it's sunny and it's warm and nice to be outside. Bears don't like that kind of weather. 
<laughs> you know, going back to that seclusion, seclusion and that recluse type behavior. They don't like to be out in the sunshine. It's hot. It's, you know, they're exposed. It's not fun for them necessarily to be out and, and foraging when it's 85 degrees out. And so I think, you know, just making it again, noting that in a diary so that you can start to understand those patterns. Yeah. You and I, when we learn our spots, we know that we can go back there year after year and may not see a bear in that feature tonight. But if I sit there for a week, I'm going to find bears on that feature. Guarantee horses there. Um, they're going to be there. And, and that's kind of part of the, that, that coin toss of like, when do you give up on a spot? If you spend seven nights there and you don't see a bear, do you give up on it? If it has all of the bear features, one of the things that I like to do when I find a new area, or I scout a new area and I'm like, oh, this is this looks good, right? I'm seeing a lot of the things that I want to see as far as bear um, habitat, you know, those little pockets that you talked about in the timber um, with the deep grass. You know, there's close, there's water sources nearby. I mean, bears need water just like everybody else, everything else, every other creature. Um, you know, there's timber, there's seclusion. It's either that north face or that south face. Um you know, if you watch a spot and you don't see bears there for a week, like go walk through there. Is there any old bear sign there? Is there any bear sign there at all? And then that might give you an idea whether this spot's bust or not. Because there's been times where, yeah, I've hunted a spot and not seen bears for days or weeks. But I know there's bears there because I've seen them there or I've seen sign of bears in there. And so then you kind of have to just ask yourself, like, when are they here? Is this a fall type of a situation where the bears are in here in the fall or are they in here in the spring? Um, so I think, again, you know, that I can't stress how important that journal is just because then it, it gives you something to look back at. And it's like, when was I seeing bears? What time of day was I seeing bears? What were those elevations? What were the temperatures like? What were the conditions that day? Um, and that's how you learn and become a better bear hunter, right? That's how we figure it out, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, it's so smart. Yeah, I mean, that's it. That's where you take it from a black magic to science in the spring and figuring yeah. out where those bears prefer and then, you know, giving yourself a good chance to locate them and then you just start finding them. So that, that journal is, is so yeah. important. And then I like your tip too, like go walk through there. Like I really use, like most of the bears I see, the majority, like, 80 90 percent are seen from a vantage point you know i will bump into the random bear or sometimes i see him as i'm hiking like sometimes the country doesn't lend itself to a master vantage point where i have to hike the ridge and kind of glass across but the majority are seen from vantage points but that being said like I've got to hike to these vantage points or hike to these ridge lines, and so while I'm right. doing that, you know, that's where I'm really looking for tracks and sign. And and when a bear is really living in an area yep. or a meadow, you know, he craps all over, you know, and and especially if he's uh, if he's really uh, like centered on one meadow. Like sometimes they just get stuck on one feeding pattern, and, and there'll be fifty right. piles uh, of crap around there. You know, there's a bear living in there, and so a lot of times I use this hiking exactly. to my vantage points hiking skitter roads skitter roads really green up and bears use them like a highway through country or or even just bear spots just hiking to these vantage points and paying attention to the sign and once i see the sign then i kind of know they're around and i'm looking for other vantage points that kind of show off the meadow that i'm seeing the sign in it's like well how could i come in here and glass this spot and not have to walk through it because um 
even when you find a good bear meadow, it's not like you can hike to it and there's a bear sitting in it. It's almost like you gotta right. you gotta get to where you can see that meadow, and then you've got to sit on it for an hour or two during prime time in that afternoon, evening, you know, right. wherever you've been seeing a move and in your journal. But then you sit in there and and you watch that meadow, and pretty soon you just see a dark spot that starts to appear, and they they love like the edges of those meadows or just inside the timber. In the the um, yeah, exactly. yeah you, you just find those vantage points where you can see it, and then you can make a move and kill that bear. But if you just hike to where that bear's at, it, there's just like, you know, it's getting too much human scent in there that's swirling around, and 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 who knows? Like it's almost impossible to hit your timing right when he's standing there. So you got to look how to how you're gonna see country, not just how you're gonna hunt it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, it gives you the ability to make a solid game plan, right? It gives you the opportunity to figure out what the wind's doing and make a, a plan to kill the bear. And a lot of that, too, is, again, going back, falling back on knowing the area that you're hunting well enough that you know where you may have to get to um, to make a play on that bear. You know, that, that big chocolate bear that I killed that you mentioned at the beginning of the show here is, that bear, I'd, I'd been hunting that bear for four years, and I knew that canyon, that drainage, that those features well enough to know that when that bear came out in this spot, that's where I needed to be. Or if he came out on this feature, I needed to be in this spot. And, you know, it would give me this far of a shot, or the wind would be right, or whatever the case may be. And if you haven't spent time in an area and you don't know those things, it's you're decreasing your odds at at harvesting that animal successfully. Now, it doesn't mean that you may not get lucky and you might not pull it off, and, and that happens and that can happen. But the more time you spend there, the more familiar you gosh, I can't talk, more familiar you are with that area, then you know where those, those places are, that logging road that's going to cut the distance, that game trail that's going to keep you downwind, that ridge that's going to, you know, you're going to pop right up and it's going to be 50 yards away kind of a thing. And and just having that knowledge of, you know, especially where you see those bears in those areas. Like, I guess one of the big things that I would encourage anybody to do when they see a bear, a lot of guys, I think a lot of people, not just guys, but guys and gals, they see a bear and they get so excited that they just go straight after it, right? And they don't take the time to study it, to watch it. I mean, generally speaking, unless it's the biggest bear you've ever seen in your life, like, take some time and watch the bear and get an understanding of what the bear is doing there. You know, there might be cubs that you don't see. And sometimes I've watched bears for hours before cubs pop out. And you're like, oh man, I wish I, I'm glad I didn't make a play on that bear because now there's cubs there and I'm not going to make a play on that bear. Um, and so give it some time and kind of let it marinate. And, you know, chances are, unless it's, unless it's a big boar and it's late in the season and they're traveling for sows, chances are, probably going to find that bear again unless there's a lot of pressure in there and, and even if a pressure i would still encourage people to just take the time to to watch what that bear is doing and make a solid plan and then execute a stock right and if it goes wrong then learn from it what did you do wrong what what screwed up maybe there was a different place you could have made your approach or whatever the case may be but yeah you know i think honestly like bear hunting is so much fun and I don't want people to overthink it but I think what I see especially when I talk to people who are new to bear hunting is they get frustrated at first because they're not seeing a lot of bears and 
maybe they move a lot and they try this drainage one night and this drainage the next night and hey, there's nothing wrong with scouting new country. I guess trying to encourage people not to get discouraged by not seeing bears, like keep trying. You're going to find them eventually and you'll figure it out. Um, but certainly if you're not seeing bears, then maybe you need to switch up your tactics. Maybe you need to look higher. Maybe you need to look lower. Um, certainly don't get in a rut though. And, and I think again, falling back onto a where you're not seeing bears is just as, a, as important as where you are seeing bears. Uh, because obviously there's nothing that, that's a better sign than where you're not seeing bears. All right. Well, I thought this was going to be a great feature got some north slopes some south slopes but maybe there's no water maybe there's no feed in here and there's just there's just no bear sign check it off the list and move on to something different right yeah that's exactly right that is that is the biggest challenge of bear hunting is um keeping your head in the game and keep looking and and i've been frustrated too putting in you know multiple nights and not finding them but if you keep putting forth the effort and keep theorizing you run into them um, that was really cool to hear about that big chocolate that you could, I think it was, you named him Chocolate Thunder, but uh, just how you got to learn that drainage in four years of hunting that place where you knew, you know, every meadow that he'd pop out, you knew, you know, your play on them and, and you advise people to really take a look at these bears. And that's important for field judging. Uh, it's also important for like uh, drawing a conclusion to what that bear is doing, whether he's feeding, whether he's moving, is he yeah. going to stay in that meadow? And and just like you stated, like, it's chess, not checkers on these bears. You know, you don't just run after him the first time you see him. Like, sit back and watch him and see what yeah. he's doing. And a lot of times when you see these bears, you can't really get to him to shoot him before they put away anyways. So it's just collecting da- data and, like, okay, he came out in this meadow. It's still early enough he put away. Now I'm going to go stage up closer to this meadow, and I'll be in striking distance when he comes out. Or tomorrow night, you know, I'll be on that rock outcropping where I'm striking distance of this bear. And so, like, really coming up with a good game plan. And, and um, you know, those bears, they can smell seven times what a bloodhound can. And a bloodhound, like, uh, uh, well, you know, but a, a bloodhound can track like a kidnapped kid in a car, the smell coming out of the vents and where that car drove days ago. So a bear can smell seven times that. That's just amazing to me. And so, like, the wind just has to be right. Like, any whirlwind wind swirl in, the, in those, those mountain those mountain winds are tough too. And so, you know, it's paying attention to the wind. It's paying attention to the wind all the time, like trying to have a higher understanding of it, having a higher understanding of the directionals and how they move through the thermals and when they start to change. And so like this can all be written down in your journal and you don't have to see a bear to start reading the winds in the mountains. You know, you can take note at your vantage point and when you're hiking back to your truck and the times like really having this higher understanding in the wind of the wind, because when it pays dividends is when you find that bear you want to kill because it's all about the wind like your approach you you have to be 100 percent, you know with the wind or you will get busted and that bear won't be there when you get there you know so for me like that is the most important factor you know when stalking a bear you know that and i guess you know using the topography and making i making sure i can see that bear but a lot of times you know i'm trying to get into bow range so like i like i'm trying to get really close so it's just it's just all about the wind and i and i'm sure you being the bear hunter you are like you get really good at, at reading those winds oh 
You have to be in. And to mention it earlier, sometimes you look at a spot and you're like, why am I not seeing bears here? Like, this has everything there written all about it. But honestly, that is that that particular pocket of lush green grass, for whatever reason, the thermals aren't right in that spot. Because there's, there's areas where literally I will see exactly what we're talking about, that lush, just beautiful green, like you're like, oh, that's a bear heaven spot. And the next meadow over may not even half as green as that one, but that's the meadow that I always see the bears in. And my theory is that it's, it's, it's all about the thermals. Like there's something about that little pocket right where it's at where the bears don't feel safe there. And that maybe maybe it's a dead zone where they just can't get they just can't get a good scent or or whatever it is. But there's something about it, and I've always just kind of had in the back of my mind thought it has to do something with the thermals because you're absolutely right. There's times where I can watch my watch, and I can sit there and I know when the wind's going to change, and I know when the when the thermals are going to change and they're either going to start blowing up or they're going to start blowing or they're going to stop completely. And I can be like, all right, I know that a bear is going to come out in that meadow within the next 15 to 20 minutes. And if there's a bear here, this is when it's going to happen. Um, and it's, dude, it's like clockwork. They come out as soon as that thermal switch and they feel safe, then they're there. And and they'll stay there, feel safe. That big that big chocolate bear that I killed, that dude, oh, man. And he, he almost blew it for me because unexpectedly the wind switched on me. But. That's why he was in that spot. There was a con- I I'd never really recognized that there was a constant like it was just because of this rock feature, the wind would swirl right there, and literally even if the wind was blowing down canyon, it always looped back around into that spot where he was feeding. And so every couple of minutes, it would swirl, and he would be able to get a whiff if there was anybody sneaking in on that one side. And sure enough, like as soon as I got set up in, in the location that I was going to shoot from, I felt it hit me and his nose hit the air. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> it came on like like how. And, dude, I've been hunting that spot for four years and I didn't know that. I didn't know that that it swirled like that because I'd never really gotten I'd been on that feature before. But for whatever reason, I never paid attention to, you know, I've been there earlier in the day. Like I would never go into it like right at that prime time when the bears would be there. Um, and so I just didn't realize that it was swirling like that um, before it would travel down Canyon. Um, because that's one of those spots where like four o'clock hits and it's like somebody turns on a switch and the thermals go from blowing up to blowing down. <laughs> and as soon as they start blowing down, then the bears start coming out in that feature. So yeah, it's just one of those things where you're absolutely right. And you, regardless of whether you're a rifle hunter or a bow hunter, you definitely have to pay attention to those thermals because no matter what, that's going to drive why those animals are where they're at. And if they don't feel like they're safe in an area where they can't test the wind, generally speaking, they're probably not going to be in that area. And I think that's for, you know, especially like some of those logging road areas, you know, you have those dead nights where it just gets really calm. I feel like the bears really try to stick to those more secluded pockets in the timber where they feel safer, right? Where the, there's where they're seen from 
outside predators kind of a thing. I don't know, just a theory. Oh, I like that theory. I think you're right. Just because of all the times I've made stocks on bears and I get to where they're living and the wind gets finicky. It's like been good the whole time over there. And then I get to where they're living and it like swirls where they're living. And and I think your theory spot on that they're living there for a reason. They they tell time by their nose. Like they can walk around and tell when an animal walked by days ago. Like you better bet like, they're choosing their 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 location that they're feeding, where they're getting swirling winds, where they can tell when danger is approaching. Not only human danger, but other bear danger or grizzly bear or whatever it is. And it's um, you know, we think I think of uh, black bears like it's entry level dangerous game for me. Like you have to be right on it. But these bears as well, like um. You know, sometimes they can be more spooky than a whitetail is. Like, you get in a meadow with a bear and that wind swirls and he gets any whiff of you, he is out of there. They they tend to do this oh, yeah. this slow it's, turn. Uh, Anytime you see the slow turn, that bear is getting ready to go. He starts to slow yeah. turn away from you and then starts <laughs> running as fast as he can yeah. and he's out of there, you know? So, yeah, that, that wind has uh, to be right. So, like, it's one thing. Like, the biggest challenge for guys is finding bears, but once you start finding them, you just have to have that higher understanding of the wind if if you're going to kill one, you know, and especially kill a a, yeah. a big one, you know, because they're going to be living in one of those spots where it's oh, it's really finicky in there, you know. Yeah, so. absolutely, you know, and those big bears, man, they just it's it's like anything. Like we talked about this last time, you know, when you step up to that next quality level of bear, um, and we're talking like six beyond six feet, seven feet bear, big blockhead monsters. There's, they're just like we talked about earlier. Like that's, you compare that to a 400 inch elk running around out in the woods. A, there's not a lot of them out there. Um, it's not like, you know, there's one in every Canyon and, and you're just going to get lucky and stumble onto them. That's not how it works, but they are so much more educated. I mean, think about the lifespan of a bear versus an elk or a deer. I mean, it's nothing for a bear to live 25 years, right? Elk don't make it 12 years if they're lucky. That's half that that lifespan. And so think about how much more knowledge that that creature can gain in its lifespan, um, you know, avoiding predators, avoiding being hunted by other bears or even humans and getting to you know the age of 25 and becoming this giant bear. Like, they don't get that way by being stupid, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of these bears, um, especially those big bears, man, they are nocturnal as all get out. And it's it's tough to kill those bears. And a lot of times I find the sign of those big bears in the deep, dark timber, and, and it just makes me scratch my head. I'm like, how can I kill this bear? Because they never come out. They're never coming out into those meadows. They're never coming out into those um, to those logging roads during the daylight. Um, and unless you really stumble upon them sometimes, it's just like dumb luck. <laughs> you know, but not to say that the big bears don't make mistakes and you don't see them like it happens, but it's definitely a lot more rare, you know. Oh, man, you're right. You love to hunt big bears, but, um, you know, like like how many bears do you have to look over to to find even a big mature one, like a big six footer? And then oh. how many bears do you have to look over to find a giant? Like you said, it's like a 400 inch right. bull or a 200 inch elk. Like you see that giant, you know, maybe once out of out of 50 bears or once out, one out of 100 bears is that giant level, you know, and even finding a good mature yeah. boar, sometimes you have to look over, you know, 10 bears to find that that good one. So, 
Like, um, you know, field judging bears oh, is yeah, one of the easily. toughest <laughs> things out there. Like, um, you know, it's yeah. really tough to be able to tell. And, and, um, so, so you, like, I try to build, um, tactics for judging them. And then a lot of it for me, like, it's just been looking over a ton of bears and then starting to know what I'm yeah. looking for, identify it. And then I have to believe myself too, because sometimes I can talk myself, you know, a medium bear into a bigger bear or something like you really have to trust your judgment. But what are some of the, the tactics you use for yeah. judging these bears for really knowing that you're on a big bear? Because sometimes these smaller bears will have really good proportions and look look like a big bear uh, but you get up to them or you see their ear size and 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 they're not a big one so what are some of your tactics or things you go by when you're judging these bears that's a great question and you're absolutely right a lot of people it is hard it's really hard especially if you're just getting new into bear hunting and you haven't spent a lot of time looking at bears bears can be very deceiving and um, you know, even small bears can look big under the right circumstances in the right. And, and yeah, it just, I think a big part of it takes experience, but I think mostly what I look for is, um, little ears, you know, big head versus big head, little ears. You know, a lot of times I'm looking at the distance between the ears, Do the ears look pointed over. Are they on the top of the head? Or are they on the side of the head? Um, when you actually get the opportunity to see a big bear, and especially if you can watch a big bear up close, um, you will recognize those features really immediately. And for me, just because I've had so many years of looking over hundreds and hundreds of bears, I mean, on average, I would say I look at 100 bears a season probably. And some, some years, just depending on how much I get out, maybe a little less, sometimes a little more. But on average, when you see a big bear, for me, it's like, I know that's a big bear. It's like instantaneous, like, oh, that's a big bear. And sometimes it's, depending on the distance, so if I'm a couple of miles away, sometimes it's really hard to tell, right? Like Distance plays a big factor in judge, field judging a bear. If a bear is three drainages away and three miles away, it's going to be hard to judge that bear. But at the same time, if you're looking at a bear three miles away through your glass, chances are it might be a pretty good bear, <laughs> right? <laughs> the baby bear at small isn't going to be easy to see. So, you know, the things that I would focus on are the walk. Um, you know, a, a big bear has a swagger about it, right? Like their whole body moves kind of side to side. They're, you know, and, and I don't know how to explain it other than, you know, literally – when they're if they're walking towards you it looks like their whole body's making like an s like they just move side to side this big waddle right and smaller bears just generally don't have that um and i think you know looking again at the head and that the face is a really good indication of of what what that bear really truly is um you know we talked before about big bears big lengthy bears being really difficult to judge in my opinion, because sometimes they're long and they look skinny and you're just like, man, eh, it's not a very big bear. Um, you know, and the perfect example, my brother killed a bear down in Wyoming and it, I mean, the thing is enormous. It's seven and a half foot, um, squared out. And, and to look at that bear, he's just super long and like, he doesn't have his belly dragging on the ground. He doesn't look that big, but that bear weighed almost 600 pounds. He's just enormous. And so, yeah, it can be tough. Like where I hunt, there's a lot of roly polies is what I call them. You know, these short, 
fat bears where they're, it looks like their bellies are dragging on the ground. Um, and generally speaking, they're not, they're not a, necessarily a six foot plus bear. They might have, it might be a great bear. They might have, you know, an 18, 19 inch skull. Um, it might be a great bear, but they're not that next level just because they're not, they're not really lengthy. You know what I mean? They're more girthy than they are lengthy. Uh, but ears are definitely probably the biggest thing to look at, I think at least in my opinion. Um, certainly bears are like humans and they're all built a little bit different. But generally speaking, when the ears are on the sit in there's, you know, I would, you know, when I'm looking at a bear, especially if it's within a couple hundred or maybe a thousand yards or less, you know, looking at the distance between the ears. Um, another really good thing that I've found, like telling the difference between boars and sows, especially those dry sows, is the shape of the bear. I've found that, uh, you know, big boars have thicker, um, like, like arms, like all the way down to their paws. It's almost like, you know, they're, they're like tree trunk, like, um, whereas they're the same thickness from more or less the elbow down to the paw. Whereas with a sow, it'll be more pointed. It'll come down to a point and sows, they have this like almost, inverted teardrop look to their body shape like almost like a a hot air balloon if you will i guess like they're big up top and then they kind of teardrop down to their legs whereas usually what i've seen in my experience with those bigger boars is they're more bulky and more tree trunk like you know their legs don't necessarily come down to that point if you will um and that's that's really helped me in judging the difference between sows and boars obviously a lot of times in the spring you've got sows and they've got cubs nearby but that's not always the case and or the sow or the cubs may be out of sight for hours um and so really trying to be critical of really looking at those features including the faces i mean that's to me it's that's you got to get up close really to be able to determine whether it's a sow and really get a good look at that that nose and that face. And you know, once you look at enough bears, especially if you've seen someone that's killed a sow or shot a sow yourself, and you just look at the features of the face, just like men and women, just like humans, like they're, they're pretty distinguishable. Really. If you look real close, they are. Um, the sows just have those narrow, longer noses, whereas those boars just have bigger, blockier heads. When you see a bear that has a head that looks like a basketball, that's a, probably a big bear. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, gosh, all of that is just uh, such great tips that have taken you know years of watching so many bears, but it's so spot on. I, I you mentioned it a couple times, being close to be able to judge them. Like the ears are the best tell for me, but I can only tell inside a thousand yards. Like beyond that, it starts yeah. to get tough to make them out and to see those ears or know what he is, and then. You know, just like you said, like the the big bear has the swagger, and, and when you see a big bear, you just know it. Like when you've been hunting bears long enough, right. you, you just you see them, and instantly you know that's a big bear. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, like what you said with the sows and the 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 boars. The sows have that longer face, that long skinny nose, long face from the ears down to yeah. the tip of the nose, where the 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 boars. You know, they, they've usually got like this stovepipe nose and like more of a, a square head or more of a, 
Um, you, you know, like you said, a big basketball head is usually always a bore. You know, that's a great tell. Like when he's got that that big head and a bunch of meat on it, you know, that's when you know it's a bore. And then I, I really like the forearms you described. Like the, those boars have bigger chests, bigger front ends, bigger forearms where those sows – like the highest feature on a sow is her rump. And she's, she's bigger in the rump and yeah. it tapers towards the exactly. front and she's smaller in the chest. So, man, those are um, – those are just so many great tips for for judging those things, and then just looking at a lot of them. And when you do find a sow with cubs, you know, look her over through the exactly. scope and look at her features. And, and and what would you tell you that that's a sow? And really try to learn and be a student of the game because it it really is looking at a bunch of them. I had hunted bears for quite a few seasons, and I was still kind of lost at judging them, but. You know, since I've really dedicated myself to really trying to figure out what they are, their size, uh, their their sex, and then believing in my field judging skills, like I've uh, been able to to mostly get it right. And and in bears, um, you talked about those roly poly bears. Like, um, not every bear is going to be a giant, and even a bear that reaches full maturity might not be any bigger than a five and a half foot, 18 inch skull boar. Like that might be as big as it gets. Yeah. And that's, you know, that for me it is a good boar in what I've shot for over the years. And that, you know, I've been fortunate enough to harvest enough of those boars that, you know, now I can step up my game and go, okay, I, I really want them to be a six footer and a 19 and a half plus inch skull or, you know, kind of set these standards that I'm looking for and looking for that exceptional yeah. bear. And, and, uh, it is the exception, not the rule of those bigger ones, but you have to be really good at your oh, field judging yeah. if you want to kill a big bear, because you've got to be able to tell a difference between those mediums and a large. And just like you talked about, yeah. like a, a big bear doesn't always have his belly dragging on the ground. Let, that one of your, your brothers, it's insane. 600 pounds, uh, seven and a half foot, huge. I'm sure his skull was over 20, right? Twenty-one something. <laughs> Susan, <laughs> oh, sometimes those That's are the... an absolute crusher. But you know, yeah, the the smaller bears. I feel like the like they're. We talked about this too before. It's like it's pretty clear when you see a really small bear. Like it's like pretty obvious, and it's really obvious when you see a really big bear. But it's the hardest to judge those middle of the line bears. And for me, that's usually the tell as to whether or not it's a bear, it's a boar or a bear that I'm going to get excited about. Because I'm like, eh, I don't know if that's a big one or not. To me, when I have that thought in my brain, I'm like, it's not a big bear. Like, time to pass. Again, when you see that next level bear, you know it. And you're like, that's the one I'm looking for. That's the bear I'm going to kill. Um, but those, those, I want to say five to... And again, obviously, it depends on genetics, but those five to 10-year-old bears, maybe even 15-year-old bears, they're really hard to judge because you're right. They might be maxed out on as big as they're ever going to get, and they may just be a five-footer their whole life, right? And so you might have a bear that just has really poor genetics but has a giant melon on him too, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> It, it might there might be some interest in like well you know what that's a beautiful bear and that thing's got a huge head on it and maybe he's not going to square out over six foot but that's the bear I'd be happy with there's nothing wrong with that um, but you're definitely right as far as like those middle of the road bears seem to be difficult to judge for anyone even experienced guys I think because there's times where 
I've been fooled. There's no doubt about it. You know, and I'm like, man, that bear, that bear looks like that's a great bear. I, I need to get closer to that bear. Like that's, I get excited about that bear. And then I get over there and I'm like, mm, nope, just another five and a half footer. You know, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, I was a little bit deceived. It, it happens. Um, but then also being able to recognize that and being like, okay, well, that's not what I'm looking for. Let's, let's move on and let that bear grow up. Yep. I, I've definitely had to call off a couple stocks when I get close and it's just not the bear I think it is. So, uh, I've definitely been fooled yeah. too. Uh, but, but yeah, believing in those tactics and then you, you really can tell the difference in the size of those bears and the sex of those bears. It, it just takes time looking them over, you know? And, and the cool thing is, is, um, you know, here in these, these, um, you know, in the, the lower United States, we get a lot of cool color phases. So we've been talking about that yeah. chocolate that you kill because that's such a great bear. Uh, but now you're on a mission to kill a giant black, and I've seen you pass some pretty good chocolates looking yeah. for that, that dream <laughs> black bear, right? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people uh, curse me into times when they see some of the bears that I pass up because, yeah, I mean, I I've passed over a lot of, phenomenal bears in the last five to 10 years, even, um, just looking for that right, that right bear. And yeah, you're right. I just, I just haven't killed what, you know, I consider my dream bear, which is just a big, big giant blackie. Um, that's just, that's my goal, but you know, I don't want to discourage anybody from, from killing a bear, right? Like there's a lot of first time bear hunters out there who don't need that level of of insanity the <laughs> right word like go out and and have fun and hunt hard and you know what there's plenty of bears out there go kill a five footer and get that under your belt experience. and if you're content and you're happy and that's what you want absolutely there's nothing wrong with that um you know there's i definitely don't want to be like hunt shaming people that shoot smaller bears because a lot of people love bear meat and a lot of, a lot of people just love to bear hunt and that's totally cool for me, it's a little bit different. I've, I've been there and done that. I've killed the smaller bears. I've killed the bears, um, you know, that I've kind of graduated up to the next level and the next level. And for me now, I don't have to go out and kill a bear. Do I want to? Absolutely. I'd love to go harvest a bear. Is that my goal every year? Absolutely. But I also know what my goal is, and my goal is that next level bear. And I'm willing to pass on, you know, other bears that may be just as big, just not the right color. <laughs> and for me right now, yeah, that's that's just a big black. That's just what I've got on my mind. And, you know, I had it's pretty funny. I had a I had a I had a pretty interesting scenario a couple of years ago playing out uh, a giant giant chocolate, and I am telling you, like this this bear would have would have scored really high in the books and it was one i used to the one of the toughest decisions i've ever made as to whether i should whether i should take this bear or not and i chose to pass um and there are days that i regret that decision but there's also <laughs> days that i really don't regret that decision because you know what i would have been happy with that bear it it would have been a huge bear it would have well it was a huge bear it would have been a phenomenal bear but it just wasn't what i was looking for you know and now that bear's still out there and somebody else has to get, gets an opportunity to take that bear. And maybe it's the dream bear they've been looking for. Um, one of my, probably the most joyous things for me in bear hunting is getting to know the bears in the areas that I hunt and watching them year after year after year and getting to watch them either grow or maybe not even grow. I mean, there's times where, 
there's several bears in areas that I hunt that I know for a fact that I've watched three, four, five, maybe even six years in a row. And they're never going to be the quality of bear that I want to go after. But that doesn't mean it's not going to provide some other hunter a great opportunity, right? And and that's really what it's about is making sure that other people get those opportunities too. I, I met a guy this weekend um, up where I was hunting, first-time bear hunter, and it's so exciting to sit down and talk with this guy and be able to share some of this knowledge with him because, you know, he just – he never experienced it before and he was really wanting to be out there and really wanting to learn. And to me, that's what it's about is helping other hunters be successful too. And sharing, you know, what knowledge guys like you and I have gained over our experience to make other people better at, at, at this sport and being more successful and certainly trying not to discourage people from shooting a bear just because it's not what maybe my goal is, you know, like I think a lot of people have this expectation that they have to go out and shoot a, 350 inch bull elk or you know a 200 inch mule deer or a seven foot bear like don't get up get don't get caught up in that hype like go out and hunt and have fun uh, for me I, I like i said you and guys like you and i we've we've killed those bears and a part of it for me is like what's the challenge now it's it's finding that next level bear and just enjoying uh the uh the process of hunting and finding those bears yeah, that's uh, really well stated, Dan. Um, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that as well. We're all on our own journeys, and you have to work your way up the trophy ladder. You just can't yep. set out and think you're going to kill a seven-foot bear without having 10 years of experience or 20 years of experience. Like, you might yeah. you might run into that giant. You might run into that 200-inch oh. buck. You yeah. Know? But, you know, you, you just want to go out and have positive experiences and excitement. And, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I have been thrilled with everything. Every bear I've ever shot and I've killed, you know, uh, a handful of really good five foot bears that were boars that had good heads that I was super happy with. But as my yep. bear hunting journey progresses and evolves, I start setting my standards a little bit higher. And, and when you set your standards a little bit higher, you have to be okay with maybe not finding that bear this year. And and that's fine by me. Yeah. But eventually yeah. I'm going to get that one I want and then I'm going to be totally stoked on it. Yeah. So. Uh, guys have to follow yeah. your social media and follow your journey, you know, not only bear hunting, but elk and deer, but bear season has to be one of my favorites to, um, follow your social as you're really good Absolutely. at posting your, yeah. your progress and bears you're seeing. And it, it's just such a great follow. So high country, Dan, uh, on Instagram, where, where can guys find you? Uh, Facebook as well, right? Facebook, Instagram, I'm going to be doing a lot more of the vlogging slash sharing some of my, hopefully sharing some of my bear uh, stories this year. In fact, putting together, hopefully maybe even tonight, um, last weekend's excursion. But yeah, you can find me on, on um, YouTube as well. I think my YouTube channel is also High Country Dan. Um, I'm pretty sure I'd have to look into that, but yeah, definitely follow, follow me on Instagram. Um, I have the link to my YouTube channel in there as well. And yeah, you know, I think a big part of it is, is not sharing to boast, but sharing to share with other people and help educate them and, and hopefully get them to be a little bit more successful in bear hunting as well. I mean, talk about the best time of the year to get out in the woods when the snow is melting and things are starting to green up and the elk and the deer are coming out and the, you know, here, here in a couple of months, the elk and the deer are going to start having babies and, and man, it's just such an amazing time to be in the woods. And bear hunting for me is honestly probably it's it it 
it not probably my favorite hunting of the year just because of the the solace of being out in the woods and chasing bears and finding bears and finding a lot of bears like I get excited about finding a lot of bears like I just love watching bears like that's the best part of it and sometimes it's it's even better for me um what what kind of makes me uh makes my makes me tick in the bear woods is just finding them and knowing like if I wanted to I could probably kill that bear but that's just not a bear that I want right now and and even getting familiar enough with knowing the bears in the areas that I hunt and seeing them year after year. It's like such a special thing to me. So yeah, definitely, definitely like sharing it with folks and, um, I encourage anybody that that's listening to the podcast, if they want to reach out to me or have any questions, uh, man, I'm, I'm all about helping people be successful in the woods. Man, that's so cool. Uh, you're such a, such a solid guy. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time and being on. And I can't wait to check out the YouTube channel and the new vlogs that you have coming yeah. up. Um, super stoked for that. So uh, definitely. Yeah, I'll follow the link and follow awesome. that let's, channel. Let's and definitely. And then, yeah, just yeah, it's, sure. it's always yeah, an awesome the... conversation with you, Dan. We keep talking at the same time, but uh, it, it's always so I fun know. to talk to you. you got so much passion running through you, and and I just love following your social, love having you on the podcast. So, yeah, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. As always, mad respect for you and your skills, and I think it's it's great that, you know, guys like us get the opportunity to share our experience with, with new people in the field um, to hopefully, hopefully make, make them successful as well. And I would really encourage any listeners out there who, who do have year to, to share it with us, to let us know, tag us in your post, um, let us know, you know, if there was some tip that we gave them that helped them be successful this year, like that is so awesome. I'd love to hear about that. Oh, yeah, that uh, makes my day when I get a message like that. So, yeah, uh, please do. Right. So, right Absolutely. on. Well, thanks, Dan. Definitely. Well, thanks, Brian. I appreciate your time, too, and thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it, man. Let's do it again. Yep, sounds good. We'll talk soon. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Man, thanks to Daniel for coming on the podcast. He just killed it. Just shared so much pertinent information about bear hunting, and you know, one of the things I love about the the day and age we're in, it's the information day and age. Like to be able to get that information, like uh, Dan and I have, you know, I've, I've been hunting bears for like maybe 15 years with my bows during the spring season. And Dan's probably got the same amount or more under his belt. And so to like learn or, or to get this information that, that took Dan and I 15 years or 20 years of hard work to gain and to have it come out in a podcast and have all this great information, uh, like all the things that make us successful bear hunters is just amazing, you know. So uh, hopefully it cuts your guys' learning curve. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And, um, man, I mean, it's uh, – uh, one of the fun things about doing this podcast is sharing in your guys' success. So uh, hopefully it helps you guys this season. I want to thank our sponsors for today's show. Uh, first off, Onyx Maps. Man, they're just great. I absolutely love that app. And I also want to thank Savage Arms. Uh, new sponsor, but make great rifles with out-of-the-box accuracy. So if you're in the market for a new mountain rifle, man, that 110 Ultralight at under 6 pounds, synthetic stock, adjustable stock, uh, adjustable trigger, just sounds awesome. So uh, I, I can't wait to start running around some rounds through one. Uh, if, if I can get some ammo, that is. <laughs> Man, it's pretty tough in today's day and age. But, uh, yeah, hopefully things kind of normal out here. So, 
Um, man, uh, fun podcast with Dan. Uh, thanks, you guys, for listening in. I sure appreciate you. I'm going to get started on my journey today of hunting spring bears. Uh, super excited. I've got that Matthews just shooting uh, all my gear together and ready and uh, uh, just ready to soak in some of this um, springtime weather and uh, go chase these things around. So it's going to be fun. I've got some uh, trips planned with buddies that are going to be down. So I'll be teaming up with buddies here and there and uh, helping them in their personal journey of killing a bear. Uh, uh, boy, my my other buddy, Dan Heverin, has been so close on these bears. He's killed some good ones with his bow. Uh, but, but the last year or two, gosh, he's just had a bunch of close calls. So I'm definitely pulling for that guy to fill his bear tag this year and going to help him in the process. I have been in bow range in so many bears with Dan and just like, just need one turn or just need to get the shot or, you know, one thing to happen and, and ends up blowing up. But, um, we're going to make it happen this year. I'm going to, I'm going to see Dan behind a bear. I know it. So super excited. I'm going to go get started with that. And, um, man, just keep, I've got some good podcasts for you guys coming up. I mean, I want to have, uh, this whole summer all to get you guys ready for this fall season so we can all have a successful season. Um, I'm, I'm just so pumped for this fall and cut my legs loose. So for now, I've got to get some work done and, and, um, yeah, get some houses built and, uh, put my head down and, and be efficient and effective and plan some scouting trips for weekends and things and some spring, spring bear hunting evenings and weekends, but, uh, get some work done and, and, uh, get my life situated for the fall hunting season. I absolutely can't wait. It's going to be a riot. So, um, thank you guys for all the support, man. I really appreciate you guys, uh, social media, uh, appreciate the, the shares on the podcast. When you guys hear an episode you like, uh, it, it all helps out in growing this thing and, and, uh, helps me out to, to bring you guys this content. So I sure appreciate it guys and, uh, wish you, uh, the best hunting this year and, uh, this season and we're going to make it happen. So that's a wrap. I'll check in with you guys next week.